1: Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show and I'm your host West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon and you know it's been a busy week here and, and kind of a, a crazy insane week and and all sorts of things going on so there's so much to talk about but I just want to mentioned that you know this is a call-in show and it's actually you know an opportunity for my constituents to hold a town hall with me if they want to uh and call in and ask me questions about whatever they want or um you know just you know take the topic in the direction they want to go because that's what call-in shows do so to do that it's 646-721-9887 And just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one, and that lets you get in on the conversation. It also lets my call screener and producer extraordinaire, Robin, know that you want to get in on the conversation. You're not just calling to listen, which we do have people do, because sometimes it's more convenient to call on your phone and listen to the show over your phone than it is to be hanging out in front of a computer screen. Uh, for those who want to listen live. But, you know, this is, great thing about the Bose Nose show is you don't even have to listen live because, you know, not only do we go out over blog, talk, radio, and a bunch of other platforms live, as well as Facebook live. Once the show is done, it's archived. And you can go back to all of my shows over the I, – I, Robin, how many years have we been doing this now? Just, Robin's going to try and calculate in her head. Five years? Six? It's been a long time. <laughs> Lots of shows to, to go back and listen to if you wanted to.
0: Oh, I'm so, sorry, I was looking at the uh, um, the little issue that we're having with the delay on the feed. Uh, um, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Nothing know,
1: like Microsoft for over three updates years updates caused major problems. So if my lips are moving this. and the sound's lagging, it's Microsoft's fault. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love Microsoft and all their wonderfulness. But if nothing else, Jay can do a really good uh, Im- impression of Godzilla right now.
1: Yeah. Godzilla, Godzilla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go, go. There goes Tokyo. Um, all right. Um, back on more serious subjects. Hi, Jay. What well, that just took my brain completely off the show there for a moment there, yeah, hello, Jay. Welcome back to the Bozo show. um and I'm your host, Wesley County Jay Bozovich. Uh <laughs> let's kinda of get serious here for a minute because our legislature's in session, which is sometimes we joke about it a lot, but it's a serious thing um because they're they're there and we're in a virtual environment where it's very difficult for the public to participate or even stay in communication with their legislators, yet they're still going through thousands of bills that are being proposed. You think that in this environment that the leadership there might have thought of limiting the, the legislature this time to, to and limiting the number of bills like they do during short sessions because there's just, it's, it's so difficult to track and keep, you know, to to give testimony. Everything is is much more difficult this year. But on, so during this serious and very difficult environment, uh, we have Senator Dembro proposing to make it legal for 16-year-olds to vote in school board elections. Well, and knowing that that is the, you know, the nose of the camel under the tent flat there, because um, you know, the real desire is to have 16-year-olds vote in all elections. And he's doing this as a statutory change when it's actually in the Oregon Constitution that you have to be 18 in order to vote in this state. So it's, it'll be an interesting if it does go through and pass and get signed by the governor. It'll be interesting to see what the courts think of it. But... I'm kind of wondering what do you think out there in wonderful world of the internet and Facebook land and everything about the idea of a 16 year old being able to vote, you know, you know, I, I, you know, we've had discussions on the show a couple years ago when we were talking about tobacco 21 and the whole thing about brain development in humans and what we now know about brain development that we, didn't know maybe 20 or 30 years ago, or even 100 years ago, but we kind of understood intuitively, which is the human brain does not complete development till around age 25 or 26, and the last portion of the brain that develops is the portion of the brain that understands the long-term consequences of decisions made today, and the younger you are, the less that part of the brain has developed which is one of the reasons why car rental companies won't let you rent a car if you're under 25. (laughs) You're not responsible. You know, you don't think about your actions that well. It's one of the reasons why we restrict drinking and we've restricted tobacco and marijuana and other things to people age 21 and older, because at least by 21, you develop a fair amount of that frontal cord you know, lobe that that has that that part of your brain, but it is that last portion of the brain. So as you get down to an 18-year-old that we're allowing to vote now, they really don't get that concept that well. And, and, and this, you know, side note, it's one of the reasons why the University of Oregon and Oregon State University are having such a hard time controlling COVID on campus because there's not a lot of thought about what your actions today are going to mean tomorrow (laughs) with the 18 to 25 year old college student crowd. Um, But we're going to, you know, if we do what Senator Denver wants, we're going to take that, that ability to decide who is going to make decisions on million dollar school district budgets on appointing superintendents that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year and give that ability to decide who those people are to a 16 year old. I mean yes I know a 16 year old could drive a car you know there's certain things we we give them the responsibility of but you know we we've recognized that we really should move things in different directions and I've actually made the argument that we should be taking the ability to enlist and also dra- get drafted into military service up to 21 you know and I would take the voting up to 21 if it were just me Um, talking about that because, you know, I I don't think at that age folks really understand the consequences. And I think we would get in a whole less military conflicts if we had to convince an all-volunteer army of 21-year-olds and older that they were going to serve a government that got into those kind of conflicts. You know, it's pretty easy to convince an 18-year-old about, you know, how wonderful and glorious it is for, to have, you know, serve in the military and everything, which I'm not – military service is important, and I honor our veterans. But once you're 21, making that decision is a whole lot different because your brains develop more. And and I think we would stay out of a lot more conflicts as a nation if our age of enlistment was 21. In fact, it would be a whole lot less if the age of enlistment was, say, 24 or 25, but I don't think we'll ever get there. But I kind of want to know what you think out there uh, in Bo's Nose land um, about the idea of a 16-year-old voting in an election here in Oregon. Because the legislature, at least at least one of them, and I think several of people of them support this on, on that side of the aisle, want 16-year-olds to have the right to vote. I think it's because they think 16-year-olds will vote for their party. Part of why they want them to vote, they're trying to swing the vote, you know, make it you know harder and harder for the other party to get elected here in our one-party supermajority state. Uh, but that's you know, it, so it seems to all be about power, not about really good governance. Um, which leads me to the other side of the coin. That same party, the Democrat Party, is constantly harping about voter suppression and voters' rights, and we got to make it easier to vote, and that's why we need mail-in voting, and we shouldn't have to present any sort of ID to register to vote, you know, same-day registration and all that. That same party is proposing a bill that would not allow the person that went around and got signatures for initiatives to write their own arguments for the initiative. I mean, they're they're doing everything they can to make initiatives harder and harder for people to, you know, get signatures for, to get them ready and get them on the ballot, and and now they're going to take, you know, they 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 manipulate the titles of of initiatives to try and make sure they don't pass, and now they're even talking about um, getting the uh, the arguments to be written by the Secretary of State, not by the person that actually proposed the initiative. It just, it, it, you know, how can you on one hand be so pro letting almost anyone vote? No, no, you know, no, you know, no, you know, making sure that they they aren't registered in another state. No, making sure they're not registered in, 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 in multiple places. You know, everybody gets to vote down to 16-year-olds. But Lord forbid if you, as a citizen, want to create law and, and actually circumvent the legislature through the citizens' initiative process here in the state. It just seems to be a huge double standard that you know the initiative is 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 bad. We're going to do everything we can to make it hard, but we're going to do everything we can to make it easy for um, us to, to question whether or not our elections are being decided by people that actually have a right to be voting in them. Because we're not going to require any sort of identification. We're going to be really, you know, tricky about how we do signature verification, not let people observe as closely. It just it it's. Uh, It's a recipe for disaster, but, you know, Lord forbid you want to actually pass your own law, but we're going to make it really easy, you know, to, to vote. So easy that people that maybe aren't, you know, are registered in another state can vote in this state or people that, you know, don't have a right of citizenship can vote. Yeah. I said it. There you go. Uh, and, and it just amazes me, but you know, if that's not enough, you know, we have this whole thing about 16 year olds and trying to restrict the initiative process. We have another bill that's being proposed and and this is the house side on this again, that would actually eliminate and restrict law enforcement's ability to use uh, chemical agents, as they call it, I think in the bill, um, Non-lethal projectiles and some other things to control crowds, and all I'm thinking is, you know back to this summer when the crowds in Portland quote crowds i't I won't call it a riot because that tends to get people you <clears throat> know lather um, but the 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 folks that were in those crowds. We're using all sorts of what could have easily been lethal means, if it de- definitively causing harm. What this bill wants to do is give the right, basically, of anybody that that feels they were harmed by that the, that crowd control stuff, to be able to sue and get damages from law enforcement. Um, as well as basically kind of banning it altogether because that's, that's what effectively it would do. But these folks were using commercial grade fireworks, you know, those mortar launched fireworks that you see on the 4th of July and, and aiming them horizontally at the police. They were using um, clubs and, and bats they were using, frozen water bottles thrown out. They were using slingshots with metal um, ball bearings. They were using lasers to try and blind the police. But we're gonna take away you know, tear gas and some other methods of trying to disperse crowds because what we wanna do is leave the police with a decision. Either we do nothing and let the crowds go wild, which by the way, the crowds were also using Molotov cocktails to try and set fire to buildings. <clears throat> and also throwing him at the police. With, you know, so the decision point for the law enforcement will be if this bill passes, let the crowds go crazy, or we have to move in. With our only option, if we feel like our life is being threatened, if the crowd fights back, is lethal force. Because that's what you're doing if you're taking away all these quote non-lethal crowd control methods. Your decision point is let them run rampant, or walk in there knowing that your backup is to draw your pistol or pull your billy club out and use what could possibly be a lethal force on the crowd. I don't see that as a very good, you know, solution and I and I certainly hope the legislature looks at this bill and says, ah, "I don't think so." But it's being proposed by somebody that is on the committee that it's been sent to and is actually a, a leader on that committee so it's probably going to move to the house floor you know that that's just the way it goes so um i hope that the at least either it gets to the senate and dies or if it doesn't move past the house floor but it, it or it gets amended to, to make it a little bit more reasonable um, but you know i just don't understand if you're out there using lethal tactics against the police that they don't have the ability to try and disperse you using non-lethal methods. It just uh, uh, taking that away from the police just is, is a recipe for things that will happen that will create even more demonstrations. You know, when the police finally have to move in to protect people's lives over a rampaging crowd and somebody gets killed... That's just going to generate the next rampaging crowd. Yet I have yet to see somebody that you know uh, was bruised or got a broken nose from a uh, a rubber bullet, or um, you know had to suffer pepper spray or tear gas, um, having a major um, set of protests nationally about that, or
0: you
1: know <laughs> any any other. Thing, you know it, it you know that tends not to generate the secondary protest so um, I hope that uh, they don't pass that House bill 2928 uh, and uh, for folks that were wanting to know what that initiative bill that would restrict the initiative that was House bill 2684 uh, and if you ever want to know these, they're in my post on Facebook, the, the bill numbers, or you can send me a note um, on Facebook, or you can contact us at talk at KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. Um, or sorry, talk at KRBN radionet Sorry. <laughs> talk at radionet and I'll get you bill numbers if you're if you're curious. So um, as as we start thinking about all that stuff, it's really easy to kind of get down about all this craziness. Um, so let's talk about a couple pieces of good news this last week. And then, then I'll take a deep breath. Maybe hopefully somebody will call in and, and want to talk about 16-year-olds uh, voting or some of the other topics I threw out there. I have a couple other to cover, but I just want to talk about two pieces of really good news. The first is Lane County is finally dropping down from, you know, we were in extreme, we dropped down to high, and now we're in moderate risk level, according to the overlords at the Oregon Health Authority. Um, Something we should have been in weeks ago if they had just done some changing of their metrics to account for the high testing rates at the University of Oregon. Um, But we're finally there and you know the the as as Bill London on on KPW likes to say the the magic fairy waved their wand and now you're 50% of you are allowed to sit in the restaurant <laughs> uh instead of just 25% seating capacity and before that it was nobody was allowed to sit cuz somebody waved their wand um but, you know, now we're 50 percent open in restaurants, uh, seeing a little bit higher capacity in theaters to where they actually might be able to open and make a profit uh, instead of, you know, all of 50 people is not going to exactly get a concert venue to open up. Uh, you can't pay the ushers with 50 tickets of income. You know, so, uh, you know. At least things are starting to open up and get better. We're also seeing some significant progress in our vaccination rates here in the county. Um, And that's something, you know, I want to talk about a bit more um, because it is a good news thing, but it's also a confusing thing for people because one of the things that the overlords have dictated to us is we are once the, the next group is is eligible for um, vaccines like we started out with with 80 you know 80 plus and then 75 then 70 then 65 and and worked our way down once the next group is eligible we cannot make the folks in the earlier groups a higher priority on the vaccine list there's no line what they do is they become part of a larger pool now, of course, you know we try and contact some of those people, but uh if if they're not unresponsive, et cetera, you know we move down the pool and try and vaccinate who we can um so you know some people have been complaining you know my my eighty two year old dad hasn't been you know contacted to get a vaccine or you know missed his opportunity or or hasn't been able to get one, but my friend that's seventy one got a vaccine. Well, 71s are eligible, and what the OHA has told us is to treat it like a pool, and we're just trying to pull as many people out of the pool every week as we can with those vaccines. So that's really what's happening there, but even with that, because the 80-plus folks started first, we've actually gotten half of them vaccinated at this point um, compared to not quite that many on the... uh, um, 65 to 70 group you know it's far lower than that in fact if i get a chance i'll see if i can get to the email that has the, the real numbers as of yesterday and i'll go over them with you i meant to have that sitting on my um yes so if you're 80 and up we've actually gotten 62 percent of that population their first vaccine, at least their first shot um and you know from 75 to 79, we've done 51% their first shot. From 70 to 74, it's 41%. And from 65 to 69, which is the newest group to become eligible, we've only done 24%. So, um, But of all the age 65 and up, we've got through 42% of that group um, as of yesterday, March 9th. So that's pretty good news between going to moderate almost half of our seniors have at least gotten their first dose which is you know even just one dose is fairly effective at, at preventing COVID. The uh, second dose really gets you in those 90% ranges but um, you know things are looking up towards getting back to some form of the new normal which that I, I kind of that's going to be a whole nother question when when are when is this done? When do we declare victory? When, when is COVID over? Try and think about that for a few minutes sometime in, in the next day or so. When, when would you feel comfortable with, no one's wearing masks mask anymore, there's no restrictions on gatherings, no restrictions on travel. We're back to where we were um, in December of 2019. When does that happen? What What do you where What What do you think we need to see to be at that at that point? Just curious. But great news. We're down to moderate risk restaurants and some of these small businesses may actually be able to start, you know, making some money and and climbing back out of the hole. They might be able to hire back some of their employees, uh, and maybe we'll crawl out of this eventually. I will note that um, this week, but the week before, uh, we accepted over $50 million in rent control grants and put the contracts and amended contracts of various nonprofits um, around not rent control, rent uh, assistance grants uh, from the federal government through the state uh, a couple weeks ago, in addition to what we had already had. So there's another 50 million in circulation out there in lane County to help folks with their rent that did get laid off. Um, and that's through, you know, St. Vincent de Paul Catholic community services, um, central Latino Americano, you know, a whole bunch of, of our local homes for good are all clearing houses for, uh, obtaining that rental assistance. Um, so that's, Good news on the COVID front. And also good news was it came out late last week, after, just after the show, I found out that there was a potential anarchist protest coming up on March 6th, because apparently March 6th was some national day of um, action for anarchists, which, you know, organized anarchists is a whole <laughs> There's <laughs> an oxymoron in itself, but apparently they were organized to have this day of action, and they actually, you know, um, put out flyers and all that they were going to, you know, first have tabling in Monroe Park in Eugene, uh, almost downtown Eugene, and then after that they were going to have a march where they were encouraging folks to, to, you know, destroy government property. And it was right in their flyers. I mean, it was, it was blatant. And, you know, the chatter was all about how, you know, cops are bad. All government is bad. You know, we have to, you know, destroy government. And uh, it was kind of a scary um, promotion for a, a, a rally because, you know, it basically said, don't bring placards. We're expecting to go out and do destruction. I mean, that was literally their advertising for this, rally. Fortunately, um, when they, you know, you get out and start doing that, somebody sees it and reports it to the police, and the police pick up on it and start picking up on the chatter uh, on the internet, social media, and they knew it was coming and had prepared for it, and uh, both the, the sheriff's office and Eugene Police Department and some of the local agents, cooperating agencies were all prepared, and EPD made sure that they were very visible at the time that the, quote, march was supposed to start. Um, and the organizers and leaders, which the organizers and leaders of an anarchist event is always, you know, that gets right back to that oxymoron thing. Um, but, yeah, that, that there's a, you know, that they decided they just weren't going to have the march. And they were really mad about the fact that the police were there. In fact, one of their sympathizers came to the city council's public comment period on Monday night because I was on there to talk about natural gas and complained about how the police showed up and and were circling the block. How dare them do that, you know? (laughs) But I want to just say thank you. Eugene Police Department. Thank you, city leaders, for allowing them to make that show of of visibility, because who knows how much more destruction they would have caused had they decided to actually get out there, because there were about 100 people gathered in that park, and it was rumored that they were going to split up into small groups of five or six and pop up here and there all night long doing vandalism. And, it, and, you know, how many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage could they have caused over the course of the night had they not called it off? To businesses and, and you know, governments that are all suffering from a lack of revenue and income from the COVID crisis. You know, so it, it, was, it was just such a good thing that what EPD did. I, I commend them never had to use any tear gas or, or non-lethal projectiles or any other, you know, um, methods of dispersing the crowd. All they had to do is show they were there. And I just want to thank the the leadership at, at EPD for the work they did to prevent what could have been a really tough night for our community. So that's in the good news category. So we got, got some, you know, so not so much bad news, but scary stuff going on up there at, at the uh the Capitol where we're not allowed to go inside the building and observe anything and, and testimony is difficult if 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 you can get in at all. Um, you know, just being able to talk to your legislature is near impossible right now. So um you know that's the bad side. This is some of the good side. We're doing much better with COVID, prevented possible You know, vandalism and and violence in downtown Eugene this weekend. You know, so things are going pretty well on on that front. So just want to remind folks, you know, if there's a topic I haven't covered, um, we can talk about it. Just have to give me a call, 646-721-9887, and just press 1 if you want to get on the conversation, Uh, It also lets Robin know you want to get in on the conversation and you're not just calling in to listen, Um, because we do have people that do that. In fact, we've got somebody listening on their cell phone right now to the show. I can see that on the board. Uh, And if you're doing that and you decide you want to jump in on the conversation, if press one little question mark comes up on our board and we know you want to talk um, and we'll get you on the air. So again, 646-721-9887. Just press one so we know you want to get in on, on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show with your host, Westlane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. So I wanted to, to ask a question to folks. You know, I asked, you know, should 16-year-olds vote? But I also want to ask a question because I I got a significant amount of pushback from my, my post promoing the show last week. And you know I tend to be a little bit bombastic in those posts because it it is a promotion and that's what gains people's attention. But one of the things I've I've always done in, in, in political situations, and I've seen it done by multiple other politicians and elected officials, is use humor and satire at times. And I used a piece of humor and satire, which I thought in one word quickly gave people the concept I was trying to put across. I referred to our governor as Governor Karen, in quotation marks, Brown. And, you know, everybody's followed that ad, you know, series and and the whole term of don't be a Karen, come around and everything. Everybody understands what a Karen is. It's somebody that's, you know, so absorbed with power but so inflexible with how it's exercised um you know the 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 picture in my mind is the woman cutting down the the people's mailbox with a chainsaw because it's 2 inches too high you know on the on the TV commercial thanks karen you know <laughs> you know that commercial yeah and i figured by using that term people would immediately understand you know cuz it was about covid restrictions what what i would, you know how i was you know framing the governor's actions, that they were, you know, just that inflexible and that arbitrary and that, and that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And, And, you know, some of the perfect examples of that I gave on the show, which was, you know, the fact that under the high risk category, churches could have far more people in them than a theater could Yet we have a theater in this town that is a converted church. And it's like, how does COVID know that people in that, that facility are there to do to, to a religious ceremony or to attend a concert? You know, and, and it wasn't just a factor of one or two. It was actually three times the number of people you could have in a church than you could have in a theater. And that, that sort of arbitrary and capricious sort of rules. Uh, generate people that w- sometimes want to break them, which has happened. And uh, even though some restaurants have opened up, which I, you know, you know, was against the rules for a while, but we were already announced that they were going to be allowed to have in restaurant seating on the on the following Friday, the Tuesday that they made that announcement it was going to be okay to have in restaurant seating by Friday, they chose to find a couple restaurants. Over eighteen thousand dollars each for having in restaurant dining, you know get out the chainsaw, Karen, um, so I kind of wonder, is it okay to use humor and satire in politics? I mean, I got you know all this your call, your name calling it's like not nah, Karen is, is a term that has a has a certain whole history behind it, you know being a Karen not necessarily a name, you know, so I, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, is that now completely off limits? Is our cancel culture gotten that bad that a elected official can never use humor or satire or irony in their speech, particularly if they're referring to the policies of another elected official? Because it was the policy I, I was, I'm taking issue with. I mean, I've actually got pictures of Kate Brown hugging me. You know, we're we're friendly on a personal level. You know, she's a very outgoing, nice person. It's her policies I have a problem with. I'm sure if you had Karen away from her duties at monitoring the uh, homeowners association. Uh, she might be a nice person to have a, a beer with and a conversation, <laughs> but uh, you know that—that's. I, I just wonder—is—is is humor and satire and irony dead in this country? You know, of course, that is unless you are making fun of the orange man or T. Rump or any um, conservative politician. I guess that—that—that—that that, that, that is. You know, okay. You know, or if you're going to refer to um, the governors of a couple states of having Neanderthal Neanderthal thinking, um, you know, that's okay. So, um, you know, which to me I thought was fine. In a simple phrase, our president clearly put out there what he felt about a couple governors getting rid of mask mandates. Whether you agree or disagree, it was a very clear communication in how he did it. That he thought it was Neanderthal thinking. You know, and I think it was very clear that I just felt that Governor Brown was acting like a Karen. She was being a Karen. Don't be a Karen. And I apologize to all my friends that are named Karen. (laughs) So... You know, that, that's one place where uh, it's, it just makes me shake my head that I got such a violent reaction for that one word in that entire post. And and that's all people want to do is attack that one thing. They didn't want to talk about anything else. They want to talk about the fact that I, I was calling, uh, I was name calling. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yet you know I'm aware of you know in other posts' I'm reacting to to me um actually doxing conservatives out there on Facebook and posting home addresses of people after being critical of them on Facebook, which to me, the only reason you're doing that is you're you're purposely identifying where somebody lives who you've already put negative connotations against, that says you're inciting some kind of action against that person's home. And you want to make them feel unsafe and uncomfortable. That's just wrong. That has no place in any politics. Just as earlier this week, I called for everybody before that rally to condemn the ideals of that rally, which were to create violence, and vandalism. No place in politics ever. The intimidation and, and incitement against somebody's personal home is no place in politics. Referring to somebody as having Neanderthal, Neanderthal thinking or you know a Karen,
0: yeah.
1: that you know, that doesn't hurt anybody. It's descriptive. It's fast. It gets to the point quickly. But I guess maybe you know, you can't do that if you're a conservative talking about a liberal, but you can do it if you're a liberal talking about a conservative. Because the cancel culture swings only one direction. So seems like you know it's kind of we're still got 15 minutes or so left in the show and things are 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 running down here a bit and so it gives me an opportunity to jump to a couple other topics um and 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 go beyond Oregon and Lane County a little bit talk about some national stuff maybe even get microcosm a little bit and go go right down to the city level a little bit but I I I don't know if anyone's had an opportunity to understand what HR1 was that, that passed out of the House recently. Um, they called it the "For the People Act," which I, I, I really, yeah. You, know, you kind of wonder, you know, when the government starts doing things for the people, you be scared. You know, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. Uh, <laughs> Right? for the People Act um, that that just even the title scares me because it's supposed to be government of the people by the people, and <laughs> yeah, not the government for the people uh, but yeah, it just um, it's supposed to be helping with voting. this is you know one of those those things where they're supposedly making it easier and protecting voting rights and all that. It's 600-and-some-odd pages, you know, and, and in it's buried a whole bunch of stuff that actually has a bunch of restrictions on speech, a bunch of restrictions on state powers, when it's clear in the Constitution that the running of elections is a state power, not a national, federal power. Um, so it's a scary bill, and I encourage folks to, to look into it. And uh, hopefully maybe contact your senator and say, hey, if this gets up to the Senate and gets out of committee, please don't support it." it. It's a dangerous direction. And it just amazes me how big these bills are. The COVID relief package, 700 and some pages. Loaded with stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with COVID. And funds programs for up to five years you know, how, how is that related to something that's probably, you know, I guess maybe some people are figuring that, that, you know, my question about when is this over, they're thinking it's going to be five years from now, I guess, you know, it's just um, huh, interesting stuff coming out of DC up there. So that's kind of the national stuff that's sort of, I've been keeping an eye on is that, that COVID bill. Um, and then the, you know, it's going to be interesting how much that money gets down to local level. Whether the state's going to do its sweep up of it, like it did with the first COVID relief package, how much, how many restrictions on how it can be spent by local government. Um, it, it be all be some very interesting things happening with that. One of the interesting things, though, was buried in it was a per child per month um, payment that's that's buried in there. Beyond the fourteen hundred dollar stimulus checks, there's this three hundred dollars per month per child for like ten months. Yeah, so you basically can get three thousand for each kid you have. Um, yeah, you know, kind of if, the, and if that once that gets started, like anything else, it'll probably get extended. It kind of reminds me of welfare before welfare reform, where they paid by the by the child and all that, and it wasn't a healthy thing for, you know, low-income families because it incentivized having children and and, and not being responsible about um, birth control and, and other things. So, you know, it just, it it's weird. It, it's, it's strange it's buried in that bill. Um, just one of those small little things that are in there. Um, so be interesting to see when that comes out, how it plays out, but getting from national to, let's go a little bit local. Let's talk about the city of Eugene. Yesterday, they initiated, after giving notice, a sweep of the homeless camps along the river on the uh, north side of the river there between I-105 and the river, um, and it mostly because there have been a lot of complaints about illegal activity. The only way, you know, at this point with the C D C guidance around not moving camps around and um the uh Boise um uh Ninth Circuit Court decision that basically says you can't actually cite somebody for illegal camping. Um and all it's, things are difficult in dealing with the homeless on, on a legal front right now. Um, the only way they can actually move them is if there's there's actually been complaints of, of criminal activity from a camp, and apparently enough complaints came in that the city finally decided they had to move these people. Yeah, you know, I guess the fact that these folks don't have bathroom facilities and they're right on a, a, a river that is, um, you know, has salmon and steelhead in it and everything else wasn't enough of a, an issue. They have to wait till they get enough um, criminal complaints built up over time uh to move them but you know there's been quite a movement at least on on email that i've been getting as a commissioner where they're emailing the city of eugene and copying the board of commissioners which i'm not quite sure why they're doing that because we don't have control of what the city does on their property because this is city-owned property um, to stop the sweeps and that this is one of those things that they call a sweep where they basically give notice and then they move all the campers out, bring in the public works folks with the trash trucks and the hazmat suits, et cetera, and clean the place up. And that's what they've been doing. But, you know, it's kind of like whack-a-mole because they're ending up now in some county right away. So it's like, well, thanks city of Eugene. (laughs) Our problem now, I guess. Um, So it gets, it's, 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 a difficult situation, and it gets back to some things that the state's done and and some of it's through the initiative process and this was an initiative that was uh, brought through by the people so like you know at, on one hand, you know you heard me earlier saying they're trying to make it difficult, and I support the people's initiative rights, but we got it wrong on measure 110, and I think it's just going to make our homeless problem worse. Because it decriminalized a lot of um, drug possession without, and, and supposedly, in, you know, having people go to treatment. The problem is, is it really didn't set up treatment in any way. Not a funding stream and not a treatment stream. And And in some ways actually made our treatment funding worse. Because what's buried in Measure 110 is a cap on how much cannabis tax can be distributed by the original formula that the cannabis um, was uh, legalization was approved in the state, caps that at about um, 28% of what is currently the income coming in from those taxes and pulls the rest of it off for um, part of this supposed Not so much treatment, but the word's escaping me, but kind of just um, having the ability to to tell these people that they need to get help. Uh, It's not even, you know, residential treatment um, or any sort of medically assisted treatment, none of those things. Um, More of an outreach sort of stuff. But that formula was distributing money, not only, you know, the 40% that went to schools. But 10% of that money was going directly to drug treatment programs, and they just chopped 72% of that money off. You know, so it's um, between, you know, what Measure One is doing to make it easier to stay addicted in this state, which makes it easy, you know, addiction is one of the strongest drivers of our homeless problem, uh, there are other issues around our land use laws and the cost of housing we can get into in our property tax situation, but one of the prime drivers of folks that are on the street is they're addicted. And, and you know this homeless sweep, you know, was basically because of the amount of needles that were in the camp and the amount of property crime that was going on because you can't buy drugs with your Oregon Trail card but you can buy it with the money you get from reselling stolen property. So measure 110 may have gotten a lot of people off of being charged with a drug possession crime, but they're just going to end up being charged with property crimes probably anyhow, Uh, which most of the people going to prison that have drug crimes on their, on their um, sentencing also are guilty of some other crime. And the original arrest was not due to drugs. Drugs were usually found during the arresting process for a different crime, whether it was assault um, or robbery or um, some other property crime, uh, you know, or person crime. Rarely does somebody, you know, go to prison purely on a drug crime. In fact, I don't I'm not aware of any that are are going there now. And now with measure One Ten passing, that's going to be really difficult. Um, You know, unless it's the distribution, you know, uh, and major trafficking of drugs, but quite often those folks are arrested and found with distribution quantities because they're being charged with some other crime. So, you know, that that's, you know, looking at that, City of Eugene uh, homeless sweep kind of puts into perspective a lot larger problem, a lot larger problem in the state that's being exacerbated by some of our policies and a problem that's national but is really bad in the state uh, as far as the homeless go. We're not helping them with their drug addictions, with our policies. We're not helping them with with affordable housing, with our land use restrictions on on building housing, with our our high property taxes that drive the cost of housing up, um, so you know you're getting squeezed from every side as far as the folks that are ending up homeless. And now we're going to eventually, possibly lose the eviction moratoriums from COVID, and who knows what that's going to do to our homeless population. Excuse me while I wet my whistle. Uh, <clears throat> but um, so it's really kind of interesting to kind of you know that that microcosm act you know action in one little place in Eugene, you know is is a symptom of such a larger policy decisions we make in the state and and how impactful our land use laws, our permitting requirements, our system development charges, our property taxes, our um, building codes, everything that drives the cost of a new unit of housing. You know, our restrictive zoning that doesn't allow certain styles of housing, you know, the forgotten middle, as they call it. You know, you don't see uh, townhomes and ADUs going up because it's so hard to get them done because they don't fit the standard model of either an apartment complex in a high-density zone or a single-family home in a low-density zone. We're not building anything in the middle. So uh, with that, that needs to change in Oregon. So as we're getting to the last five minutes of the Bose Nose Show, we still have time for a call. And the great thing about doing Internet radio is we can run over. If you call us with one minute left in the show and we're having a great conversation, we'll take the show an extra 10 minutes. So give us a call, 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that gets in on the Bose Nose Show as as wanting to talk six, four, six, seven, two, one, nine, eight, eight, seven, just press one. So we know you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bo's nose show. And I'm your host, West Lane County commissioner, Jay Bozovich. Uh, I'm going to mention in passing another issue. That's a, a small, small town issue. This one's not an incorporated city. Um, that I don't know all the details of, but I was just made aware of uh, today. And I hope that, um, Some of the folks that are on the Mapleton Water Board uh, are listening uh, to the show and and paying attention to at least social media today. Apparently, um, through some kind of change in staff or whatever, uh, the water meters in that district have been not read for 10 months. So people were getting estimated bills probably based on the previous three months before that, now if you look at the previous three months, uh, before ten months ago, that would have been kind of wintertime usage, and now they're getting their meters got read and they're getting, you know, the difference billed to them. At least I hope it's the difference, uh, but some people are questioning whether or not they're they're <laughs> subtracting off what's been paid on the estimated bills because people are getting. Two to $500 water bills, Mapleton. Now, a $500 water bill for a 10 month difference means $50 of water a month above what the estimate was. That is an incredibly high amount. You know, water is usually not, well, the biggest, your water bill is usually one of the smallest utilities you pay. So, I'm really kind of curious what's going on there and and, um, how the communication's been out with the community to understand that, um, what the water board can do maybe to uh, mitigate some of these high bills and maybe give people time to pay. Because, you know, these same people are getting hit now with this high water bill are the same people that maybe haven't been working in restaurants that were being kept closed by Karen. Yeah. Um, So there needs to be some thought put into this uh, in Mapleton and maybe some um, work done to mitigate some of the the trust that's probably being lost by these high bills and and get some good communications out there and some understanding with the community. Um, And, you know, I just hope that it can get worked out. I'm not, you know, one of the things I will admit I don't know what exactly may have been communicated to the community ahead of this. Um, I did see the letter that came out with the bills, um, explaining that it had been ten months since their meters had been read. Um,
0: hey, I'm going to jump time. in here for a second. We have Jeff from Florence on the line, wanting to talk with you.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking about Mapleton and, and wasn't looking before. Jeff, welcome to the show. Just as my poodle started.
0: Yeah.
1: Poor you. Hey, you you know, we need to get,
0: we need to get that American Indian with the tear coming down its eyes from the early seventies, because I was driving back from Portland and you would not believe the amount of garbage that's on the side of the road because people are camping out on the side of the freeway.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that was such an effective ad campaign. You know, on littering, I, I, I that that's a great thought, Jeff, because that you know, it it does it almost makes you cry, looking at some of what's going on along our highways and in our cities, and and just how horrible they look.
0: Somebody will be offended.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it's we'll be really creating culture or something like that. And I thought that was a very effective ad, and I don't think it was well, offensive because it was a native looking at what's happened to his, you know, the lands that, that they lost with all the, the litter and, and garbage. So, yeah, that's yeah a great, great they idea. Need, they need uh, to get uh, on it because uh, cause there are just, there are
0: campsites all along the freeway going on to Portland, and it's just, it's a joke.
1: And all the garbage is horrendous now. Yeah, and that that's a decision that was directed from the governor's office down to ODOT that they are not allowed to move campers during COVID. Yeah, you know, based on you the know, CDC's guidance.
0: And and all it takes is some guy getting out of his camp and strolling another what twenty feet and get run over. I
1: mean, this is just madness. Yeah, and and I do believe that's actually happened. Yeah. In a couple of places.
0: Yeah. Hey oh, well. before you uh before you take off here, uh, and I got one for Jay too, we'd like to uh give a moment of silence for a um, little tragedy that happened. As a longtime hero known as Pepe Le Pew is considered now to be uh racist and unacceptable. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the cancel culture strikes again. And, uh, and doesn't Poutine know, doesn't Poutine speak French, and that's like a romantic language with male and female uh, uh, pronouns? Yeah, 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 I guess that might be because he's actually using you know gender you know, specific language. Um, it might also be because you know he does kind of advance on a woman without permission. You know, so the, the, it might it might be the Me Too culture, not so much the the, the uh, stereotyping of, of Frenchmen.
0: Female girl skunk. In
1: the spring, a young man's love lightly turns to thoughts of fancy. <laughs> <laughs> okay and with that i think i'm going to call the show thanks for calling in jeff with that great suggestion on the uh american indian with the tear um you know at driving down you know instead of having images of lakes with litter and floating on them we'll, we'll just do video from from driving from portland to eugene uh, amen well i yeah I think we're going to wrap up this edition of the Bose Nose show with that Pepe Le Pew, uh, <laughs> references and all that. And, uh, we'll be back next week at our regular time, four o'clock here, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week.